You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Give the decision to join us in the house today. Why don't you turn around, tell somebody you love them, give someone a wave. Awesome. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but, uh, well, obviously, pastors Josh and Abby are now married. It's better than that, people. Yeah, exactly. Don't know if you've noticed, Josh's dress sense has also just gone up a couple of octaves. He's looking fresh. Josh, why don't you jump up and give us a little twirl? He's got the shoes, trousers. He's got that shirt with a couple of buttons open at the top, just like Simon Carl. It's a little bit dubious how many buttons are allowed to be open, but I'm kidding, Josh. You're rocking it, looking good. Says me in my parachute pants up on stage. <laughs> And you're looking fresh down there. So great to have you with us today, everybody, in church. And the sun is shining on bank holiday weekend. Man, somebody was praying hard all week long for that to happen. My money is on Ronke. She was praying all week for the sun. Thank you, Ronke, for interceding on our behalf. And we've got beautiful weather to sunbathe in tomorrow. And all God's people said... Amen. Well, church, we are preaching a message on our third week of our family series on adoption, and it is our absolute pleasure today to be partnering with an incredible organization called Home for Good. And today, represent Home for Good, we have Jen and Ruben, two guests with us. Why don't we show them our appreciation, hands together. Come on, let's show them an audacious welcome. Repping an incredible organization we're going to hear a lot about today. So great to have you with us, guys. Thanks so much for being with us. But yes, our message today is all about adoption, and I'm going to break the preacher's code of conduct. Everybody say, ooh. I'm going to tell you the end of the message at the start of the message. Josh is freaking out on the front row. I'm going to tell you where we're going to go to before we even get there. And at the end of this message, we want you to consider three different options today off the back of our adoption message. And the first one is this, is to practically start to take the next steps in an adoption journey. Now, that looks like today you going out to the gazebo and having a conversation with Jen, with Ruben, hearing their story, hearing about the work that Home for Good do and partnering with families and walking them through the journey. And the second thing we'd love you to consider today is if adoption isn't right for you or your family, is that you'd go ahead and look up safefamilies.uk. Safe Families are an organization that help provide relief and support for families that are struggling or in need. That could look like anything from providing some food for a family of a single parent through to taking a teenager out for a coffee, out to a football match, providing some sort of care and relief for the family. Or the third thing we'd love you to consider today is that you would open up the table of your home, is that you'd open up a space in your home for someone to come around and have dinner. Maybe that looks like spiritually adopting a grandchild from our church, spiritually adopting a grandparent from church, joining the youth team, the kids team, standing in the gap as a parent figure for the generations. Does that sound good? Awesome. The message today, church, is called Live Adopted. Live adopted. Turn to your neighbor and say, live adopted. 
wonder, have you ever had a time in your life where you've been separated or maybe a little bit cut off? Now, I think back to when I was about 15 years old on my first ever ski trip. Excited was an understatement. We were going to Italy. I had never left the UK much up to this point. So the thought of going to Italy without my parents there on a school trip was like a yes, get in. This is going to be awesome. But I remember getting to Italy. We were skiing one day, skiing many, many hours. It was tiring but epic. We got on the bus ready to go back to the hotel. And the teacher does the whole, you know, roll call thing, checking and making sure everybody's on the bus. So goes down through all the names. Everybody says, yes, here, here, I'm here, present. And there's always that one kid that makes some sort of funny joke on the bus. It says something weird, like, that's not here or present. It's like, yeah, you know, just makes a bit of a, a strange noise on the bus. So we're laughing about that. We travel on to the hotel. And we forget at this point that not everybody is on the bus. It takes this moment where we actually arrive to the hotel and we look around and everybody asks each other, where's Babyface? Now, Babyface was a nickname for a guy called Brian who obviously had a bit of a Babyface. So we called him Babyface. Everyone's like, where's Brian? Where's Babyface? Where did he go? Turns out we had left Brian Babyface on the top of a mountain. The sun had come, come down and it was starting to get dark and he was still skiing on his own down the mountainside only to be rescued by one of those snow plier guys who bring him down the mountain to everybody's relief. All of us know what it's like to be separated, don't we? For me, I think back to being in Las Vegas when I was 14 with my parents. Who brings a 14-year-old to Las Vegas? Great question, another message for another day. And I'm in Las Vegas at this epic hotel called Circus Circus where there's a theme park out the back and my mom gives me these instructions to ride the ride once and then to meet her at this certain point and then we go on to the next hotel, do the next thing. But I decide I'm going to ride this one ride about 30 different times. I'm telling you, I'm on this one ride for half an hour, going around and around and around till I start to feel a little bit queasy. Now, I get off the ride, and I couldn't find my mom and stepdad anywhere. Now, let's be honest. This is a safe place. It's church. 14-year-old Lee Brown. Tears started streaming down my face. I had no idea where to go, what to do. So I ran to the bathroom, sat in there for about 20 minutes. Don't know why I thought my parents would ever find me there, but for some reason I thought it was a good idea. Sat in there, dried my eyes, until I heard the beautiful noise coming through the speakers in an American accent that I won't impersonate for you. Don't get too excited saying, Lee Brown, please make your way to such and such. Your parents are looking for you. It's like a Baywatch moment, running through the hotel, see my mom, her arms wide open, jump and embrace. All of us know what it's like to have been separated or cut off at a point in our life. Now, George Mueller truly knew what it was like to be separated. Over the course of his life, he brought into his orphanage over 10,000 children starting up 117 different schools that educated 120,000 kids. Isn't that incredible? George Miller truly knew what it was like to see those that were separated, but not just to leave them there, but to welcome them and bring them into family. 
The Bible says it like this in Ephesians 1 verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Catch this church. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Title of today's message is Live Adopted. And right now we're going to hear from our incredible young adults pastor. So why don't you put your hands together for the amazing Anna Clifford as she shares her story. Hey church family, you're right. Yes, thank you. Although that Italy story did give me some anxiety as a parent. Um, I'm sure the other parents are thinking the same. That What if that's their kid? Thank you. Yes, Pastor Lee has asked me to share my story. Now, I just warn you, he has asked the hormonal pregnant lady to be vulnerable on stage, so it could get interesting. But yes, um, my story is very simply that uh, my mother, unfortunately, passed away when I was four years old. When I was six, my dad met my beautiful, wonderful mum, and that's what I call her. They got married when I was seven. And when I was eight, my mum went through the court process of adopting me. Now, you could say that this is just a piece of paper. I have a birth certificate, I have my adoption certificate. But for me, my story is, it's just so much more than just a piece of paper. My mum saw red once, well, she's a pastor's wife, so as much as seeing red would allow her, but my dad was a pastor, my mum, uh, someone was looking for her in church, and they asked me, where's your stepmum? <laughs> and I tell you, that did not go down well, because my mum believed that I'm her daughter, and throughout my life, I have called her my mum. So it's just... It's a very powerful phrase, live adopted. This is such a powerful thing for me. Um, I'm adopted by my mum. I'm part of, she's part of our family. I'm part of her family. Um, and in terms of my walk with, with God as well, I know that I live adopted. That verse in Ephesians 1.5 has been very powerful for me, that I know that I'm adopted, not just into my own family, but adopted into God's family. So it's very real for me. So very powerful. Give it up for Pastor Anna. What an incredible, incredible journey. And for us, church, the danger really is this, is if we allow adoption to be only a theological concept to be understood, we'll miss the fact that adoption is on God's agenda for us to experience and realize. I want to suggest in the next 15 minutes, three things that adoption gives us. The first thing is this, is adoption gives us a new confession. Adoption gives us a new confession. Romans 8, 15 to 16 says it like this. The spirit you received, audacious church, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Now, we know that word sonship indicates not just the sons, but also the daughters. It's a generic term. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. When you become adopted, you become a son. When you become adopted, you become a daughter and your confession totally changes. No longer do you talk to your prospective parent as sir, madam, mister, missus. You now call them mum. You now call them Dad, there is now a deep personal relationship 
that's intimate, provides security, there's commitment, and no longer are we then on the outside looking in. We've been grafted in and brought into the family. The Bible says our confession to God is Abba, Father. Now that word Abba is the Aramaic word for dad, indicating a deep personal relationship. There's three places in the New Testament Jesus uses this phrase. The one we're talking about is from Mark 14, 36, where he refers to God as Abba, Father. Abba meaning dad in Aramaic, and the word father coming from the Greek word pater that means a father figure. See, when Jesus is using these two words, he's speaking to the father of the legality, the role, the title, but is also using this word Abba to indicate a depth of a new relationship that's so much more than a figure from afar, but is a God who is up close, personal, caring, committed to us, just like a dad. And this twofold use of both the Aramaic and the Greek, give me some poetic license today. I want to suggest that by using two languages together, Jesus isn't just speaking to this availability to one class, to one type of people, to one nationality, but he's saying this is available to you whether you're from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. All of us can experience the richness of adoption in God. Now, adoption gives us this new confession that brings transformation. Well, how does it do that? Great question. We are transformed twofold. Firstly, in our likeness, and secondly, in our position. So the Bible says in Genesis 1.27, we're made in God's image. We're all made in God's image. But a new confession indicates a new level of proximity. Because when you use terms like mom, dad, you don't say them from afar. You say them to your parent who's up close beside you, can hear you. And over time, journeying with God, calling him dad, we grow to be more like God through spending time with him. Lysandra and I have been married two and a half years now. And we've noticed we've started to say some of the same things. We've got some of the same mannerisms. We're starting to, you know, be a little bit like each other in how we act and behave. And that's come from spending time together and growing to be like one another. And that's what happens when our confession becomes Abba Father. We spend more time with God in proximity with him and we start to become more like him. So that's firstly how our confession is transformational. The second thing is it transforms our position because the Bible says this, no longer are we from afar. We've been brought in, hemmed in beside God as his child and we from our new position can demand from God in the same way a child would demand from their parent, I'm hungry, feed me, I'm in need, I'm too cold, I'm too warm. And the parent responds, we can now demand the same from God because we've been brought into adoption through sonship that God wanted to do and it pleased him. So we can speak to the mountains in our world in Jesus' name and ask them to move. We can ask the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills to provide for us and he will. We can ask and demand opportunities opportunities to win souls for the kingdom, to pioneer new ground, to take on new businesses, because our position has changed through adoption. The second thing adoption gives us is a new name. 
Everybody say new name. Gives us a new name. The Bible says it like this in Romans 8, 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, Paul writing, saying, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. All of us in this room, we've all got a surname, don't we? Now, Lysandre's maiden name before she married me, her full name is Lysandre Van Royen. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Her parents done a great job on the naming game, Lysandre Van Royen. Then she meets me, Lee Brown. She now becomes Lysandre Brown. Lysandre Brown. Surname has totally changed to a surname that is one of the most common names in all of Ireland. There was four people in my year at school. All of us had the surname Brown, and not one of us were related to each other. That's how common it is. And Lysandre's got a sister called Shandri, another epic name, Shandri Van Royen. Meets a guy called David Jones, and is now Shandri Jones. Sorry if your surname's Jones, but mine's Brown, so I feel that pain out there. Epic names to Brown and Jones. But we're great men of God, aren't we? So all is good. All of us here have surnames. And the surname that we're given when we step into the family of God is as a co-heir. In other words, our position has changed. Our title has changed. Who we are has changed. And adoption brings us into a family where we're giving a, given a new name that is signed, set us, and sealed us as part of the family. Adoption gives us a name that is in the natural, both legally binding and in the spiritual, completely binding in God, where the Bible says our names are written on the palm of God's hand. God doesn't have a rubber or eraser ready to rub us out on a Monday when we mess up, ready to write us back in on a Thursday when we get it right. We've been drafted and crafted into the family of God. And the child takes on a new surname in adoption. And families are united and combined. And adoption doesn't come with a gift receipt or a clause that says return after 30 days if you're not happy. Adoption brings complete security of being bound to the family. Equal rights, equal footing, sure standing, and a guarantee of inheritance that is to come. Romans 8, 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs, audacious church. Heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. When you are adopted by God, your new name is as a co-heir with Christ. You have a new standing today. You've got a new title. You've got a new identity. You've got a promised inheritance that is to come because your name has changed. And that name also brings security and protection. The Bible says this in 1 Samuel 17, 45. David said to the Philistine, this is Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
David comes up against the forces of Goliath and Goliath himself, not with a new strategy, not with a new plan, not with a new agenda, but comes up against the obstacle in front of him with nothing more than the name. Let me tell you today, Audacious Church, when you are signed, sealed, delivered, secure in your position in God as an adopted child of his, you carry the name of God, meaning that nothing can stand in your way because you've got God on your side, meaning that whatever you need from God, you can push into and access, meaning that whatever storms are against you in life, you've got the name of the Lord to respond and reply. I love strategy. I love plans. I love long-term goal setting. I love it. Talk to me about it sometime. I could speak for hours about it. But sometimes, nay, all the time, we need to action and respond with the name of God, because it's the name that brings down Goliaths. And when you're brought in as an adopted child, you carry the name of the Lord. The last thing about adoption is this, is adoption gives us a new family. Everybody say new family. 2 Samuel 9 says it like this, then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring him the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. Here's the good bit. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever the Lord, the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth, ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. An incredible passage we don't have time to expand on right now. He sat and ate at the table like one of the king's sons, brought in, adopted into the family with a seat for him at the table. Now, when we are adopted into the family, we aren't just like one of the king's sons, we are the king's son. We are the king's daughter. We are the parent's son. We are the parent's daughter. That is how binding and powerful adoption is at bringing us into the family. And it's through adoption today that each one of us have got a seat at God's table. And I wonder today, church, what could it look like for us to create space for other people to take a seat at our table. Luke 13, 29 talks about God's family, saying people will come from east and west, north and south, and will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. What I love about family is this, there's no ranking order in family. There's no favorite son favorite daughter. There's no ranking order. You might have been adopted into the family, but you're not loved the least, you're loved the same. You might have joined Audacious in the last couple of weeks to realize we've been going for over 13 years. You are just as much a part of this family as anybody who was at the start because we've been adopted and brought in. You might have become a Christian two days ago, the pastors on stage with a microphone don't have better standing with God than you do, 
we're all brought in, adopted, signed, sealed, delivered into the family of God. Adoption gives us a new family. What matters, church, is that the same thing is the confession. The same thing is the new name. The same thing is this new family. Doesn't matter where we've been, what we look like, who we are. We all have this incredible opportunity to choose to be adopted into God's family. But not just for adoption to be our theology and our, a spiritual understanding, but for each one of us today to make a decision to choose to live adopted, to start the journey with Home for Good, asking Jen a question outside in the gazebo, start a conversation, find out a little bit more, help some families in need through Safe Families. Or today, open up the table of your home, create a chair, create a space for someone to come in join the family. That is, church, the beauty of the family of God. Our adoption that was God's idea first, and then we caught up and thank the Lord we caught up as society because we have beautiful stories today to share of the power of adoption. Right across this place, let me pray for you. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I wanna thank you for each and every person here today. And wherever we are on this journey of adoption, Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. You would guide us and direct us. God, you would highlight what is the right next step for us. Whatever that looks like. Is it a Sunday afternoon dinner table space for someone? Is it joining the kids and youth team? Is it logging on to safe families and finding out how we can help? Or is it adopting a child and starting that conversation at home? Lord, I thank you for this incredible group of people that we get to call family and we get to call the church, which in reality is your family spread across the nations of the world. God, we honor you. We thank you. And Lord, we pray that the next few months and years, we would continue to hear incredible stories of people choosing not just to know adoption, but to live adopted in Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com.